everybody. Welcome to Best Behavior Creative Club. This is a podcast uh, for the people who make things and the people who make things happen. The people like you out there listening, waiting to make things happen and probably waiting at the house. Maybe some of you have gone back to the office or maybe you're just driving around, just looking at the birds or, you know, that's the activity that we have to do now, right? Um, So I am your host, Chris McAdoo creative director at Design Sensory, and I'm joined, as always, by Brad Carpenter. How you doing, Brad? Hey, Chris. There we go. Good to see your face. Good to see Yeah, we can see each other from our respective domiciles. Um, mm-hmm. And we're recording during the 865 apocalypse, which I guess whatever area code you are living in, it can also be that apocalypse as well, 615, etc. We are digging into the 865 recently and talking to makers, uh, entrepreneurs, business people, leaders in, um, leaders in the community about what is happening right now, how they have shifted, and um, what they see for the future of this community. And I'm really excited to be joined by Alan Sims, who a lot of you guys are going to know as the Knoxville urban guy. Um, he's got a sweet pair of black boots, walks around downtown, um, and uh, just does a really good job as a local journalist um, of keeping tab and keeping track of what's going on in the city and around um, around downtown Knoxville. And he's also somebody who's speaking of pivoting, um, talking about somebody with a career change uh, from librarian to blogger from a 30-year career in the public school system to now um, one of the most widely read, uh, basically widely read everyday blogs uh, that I think exists in um, in the format, certainly around here. So anyway, Alan, good to have you, man. Well, it's good to have you, Chris. And, and I, I, I don't want to alarm you, but uh, I haven't worn the boots since the apocalypse started. Uh, I, you, if you see me out, you really might not recognize me. I've got, I, my face looks kind of like a buffalo, uh, the fur pr- protruding from beneath my mask. And uh, I have sneakers on and a ball cap and a flannel shirt. So I'm really incognito for the apocalypse. I don't. I don't want anybody to see me. You know, I'm out there and uh, and and I'm incognito down the streets. <laughs> as is everybody. And well, and the streets have not been uh, have not been as busy as we're used to them being. Alan, you've been on the front lines. There's a couple things that I think is interesting about your particular trajectory. Is like a lot of um, of cities. Uh, in the past several years, we've seen small newspapers and big newspapers and you know trusted sources of information go away. And so it's folks like you that have stepped up to keep people informed. It's folks like you that have stepped up to keep that moving. Um, with insideofknoxville.com, um, I want to get... I want to go a little bit of background, and I want people to understand, if they're only hearing of you for the first time, a little bit about of what got you started as a writer for this particular kind of thing for the inside of Knoxville, and what has um, how you've seen that evolve over the past few years of, uh, of doing it. Well, you know, it's been a long and crazy, a strange trip, you know, like your dad said, what a long, strange trip it's been. Um, I was a counselor for many years, and I was a librarian, as you said, in public schools. I always wrote, 
Um, but I wrote novels, a novel uh, that was awful, God awful, and thank goodness it's it's beneath my bed as we speak. Uh, and then I, I wrote um, short stories and poetry and so forth, never intending to do this kind of writing. But in 2009, my wife and I moved downtown, and, and we thought downtown was just fabulous in 2009, and uh, the world needed to know. We had moved down with some trepidation, just in, trepidation rather, just um, in terms of living in an urban environment. What would it be like? Uh, would we be safe, et cetera? So uh, when we just moved down here, took a chance, and fell in love, nobody was writing about it. Uh, I felt like to the degree that it deserved. So I started doing it online, just hoping that a few dozen people might catch the blog and and uh, and realize it's a great place to live and come on down and join us or, or visit. And uh, what I didn't understand was we were at the beginning of an incredible trajectory. And so readership, you know, eventually shot up into the thousands and um, it became a career. I retired and and did this full time uh, since the pandemic. It's been really, really interesting. Uh, you know, for years, I've written about festivals and concerts and art exhibitions and businesses mm -hmm. opening and so forth. And you may have noticed the apocalypse hasn't been real friendly to any of those events. So I've had to pivot entirely. Well, what are some of the ways that, um, and, and I'm going to throw one out there just to, uh, to kind of get your, get your mind going is, um, your daily, <laughs> your, your sort of daily update since this whole thing began. Um, what inspired you to do that pivot and to continue to communicate? Well, you know, I, I would say it's mo like most uh, changes that happen, uh, we don't, in my life anyway, my experience, we don't really plan for them. Uh, you know, we, we make the best plans we can, but who saw the pandemic coming? So it's not like I had my, my pandemic plan uh, ready to go into motion. Uh, the, the truth is that we, we hit a certain, I think it was a Monday, mid early to mid-March, uh, where I, I realized even though I had some material that I, I was ready to publish, I had to write about what was going on because the other stories just seemed to be unimportant. I had a, a whole photo shoot of the NBC Suites Hotel, for example, that I, and I'd done an interview with Pash Patel, and I was ready mm -hmm. to run that. And on that Monday, I had to say, you know, it's kind of disingenuous to even talk about anything other than what's happening. And what I thought I would do was write about it and say, this is going to be a crazy time. And then I would get back to my normally scheduled programming. But, you know, we all thought early that we would be able to get back to our normally scheduled programming pretty rapidly. And um, the next day, I felt like I needed to say what had happened because things were happening really quickly. And it, mm -hmm. it just turned into a daily report. Uh, and people, you know, <laughs> some people have not liked what I've said, but a lot of people have seemed to have really appreciated it. So I've continued. What was what was the um, negative comments you were getting? So it's interesting. Um, you know, unfortunately, we're at a position in this country where everything is political. Yeah. Everything is political. And so to write about this, um, I felt like I, I had to, it, it, at the beginning particularly, I had to give enough context because I hadn't been covering it. This was a, an international story or a national story. It wasn't local. And so uh, in just bringing everybody into, okay, here's where we are, I felt like I had to say this is what's been happening and now here we are. And in doing that, I... Uh, <laughs> 
said what I felt to be factually um, accurate, and that was that uh, after weeks of saying that it wasn't a problem and that we, it was going to go away, uh, President mm-hmm. Trump had pivoted and he had made a de- declaration of a national emergency. Well, that was enough uh, to make people angry. Um, any criticism that is perceived, let alone is in reality, of the president is um, is pretty stiffly opposed by certain people. Uh, and, you know, we've, we've gone from there. And it's, it's too bad. I mean, it, like so many other things in American uh, politics these days, the, the crisis has been the same. People are certain that they are correct, whatever their perspective is. And they're angry at anybody for having a different one. Yeah. And that's a really hard context in which to ha- try to have um, a conversation, to try to shed light on any kind of topic. And I think I think we've mostly navigated that. Um, I had some back and forths with some people in which I just refused to escalate and, um, you know, I took their sarcastic questions as just a straightforward <laughs> question and answered them that way. And um, it it's, it has de-escalated things somewhat. People, I'm, I'm keenly aware every day when I write, and this is exhausting, I'm keenly aware that every phrase of every sentence is going to be scrutinized. Well, even uh, today, what is today? It's May 20th. So we just got, uh, you know, today the word was, and again, this is happening in cities, you know, all over the place. But today we got word that our phase one um, will actually end a little bit early uh, on May 26th, and that'll move us into to phase two, which we're like we're not all allowed to like get back together and start French kissing, but where things will start to quote unquote open up a little bit. Um, so, what are some of like in these past couple of months, Alan? Uh, what are some of the um, the stories that you've come across and the people that you have talked to that have um, that you feel like are you know are dealing with this in a positive way or doing the most that they can to deal with it? And uh, who are some of the folks that maybe are you know that people need to know about that may need support? Right. Uh, There have been a lot, and that's uh, kind of why I have not only done those midday reports, but I've continued morning articles almost every day. There are are some nights, honestly, that I just look at the computer and it looks back at me, and I take another sip of wine, and we we both agree that it's just not happening. So I I have missed some nights, but mostly I have two articles a day, and the reason for the morning article is exactly what you just said, to kind of give hope and encouragement. Um, so I've done things like uh, I've gone out and taken photographs of the incredibly beautiful spring that we had. The flowers were just gorgeous. And so I'll post those. But the other thing that I've done um, is focus in on people who are doing some awesome things. And there there are a number of people doing just really incredible things. Personally, um, just at that level, and then also for the wider community, I sit on my balcony here in downtown. <clears throat> I watch a, there's a parking lot that I can see from my, my balcony, and I, I watch the couple that every day bring out their kid, <clears throat> probably seven, eight years old, just guessing from the distance, and they do some sort of uh, 
soccer or hockey or they're incredibly uh, creative. And so on a personal level, I think a lot of people are doing good things just to stay healthy and to keep their kids' energy levels, uh, you know, at a reasonable level. And that's been great to see. People haven't just holed up. They've done some good things personally. But then as a wider community, um, there are just so many good things. Like Project Be Kind is one that I'm really excited about. It's really been wonderful. Uh, my friend Mary Catherine Kennard and her two children, uh, who are, I think, uh, 10 and 6 or so, 10 and 4, um, 10 and 6, came up with this idea that they would see if people would donate money to um, to a pot that would then be used to purchase meals from restaurants, thereby helping them. Oh. And then the food, in turn, would be given to um, first responders and uh, laid off workers and just oh, wow. people in need. That's a pretty amazing thing. They they got such great response. They formed a, a nonprofit, and so now the donations are tax deductible. They're set up to feed um, 400 people uh, next week, I think it is. It's on my blog the, the specific date, but they're going to they're going to feed 400 out of work um, service industry workers. So that that kind of thing has just been super inspirational. And that's folks coming together to to help others. And you've also, I mean, you're the guy, you're behind the scenes all the time. Um, what are, what's the general thought pattern? What's the consensus for folks that are, you know, waiting on the right word to open up in the right way? I mean, I'm thinking about our theater companies, our restaurants, you know, thing, things like that. And I will admit that last night... Uh, my wife and I went to Market Square and went to Tomato Head, and uh, you know it was good and and it was really nice to have somebody else make a sandwich. Um, so yeah, what's the what's your general take on kind of how people are uh, are preparing for the next phase and how they're looking forward to or you know how they're how they're going to deal with it. Well, let me flip the question on you for a second to follow up with what you just said, and let's let's see, let's see where we go. So you went out to the Made Ahead last night. It was nice, no doubt, to have somebody cook for you. Your food is always going to be good there, so that was great. How did you feel? And did you leave there thinking, well, gosh, we're going to start doing this regularly? Or did you think, I'm going to wait a little while before I do this again? Where were y'all when you left there? You know, it's a weird thing, honestly, to be in a restaurant like that that you're used to. That you're used to being in the middle of so much, so many people, so much bustle, so much hustle and bustle, and they've got it all, um, you know, sort of cordoned off. Every other table, um, you know, kind of a thing. So I think from a from a safety and a sanitation standpoint, it's it, like I have a lot of confidence there. Honestly, and we're mad. We wear the masks. I mean, obviously, we don't mask when we eat, but everybody's masked up, all that kind of stuff um, from a safety and a sanitation. I think that the weirdest thing was that that the um, that the um, the vibe is that emptiness. Right. Um I think for a while, until or until it's safe, right? Until restaurants open up and things like that, it all—it's always going to feel if it's two o'clock in the afternoon or two o'clock at night, it's going to feel like you're the last guy that showed up and made the, you know, like the eight fifty-nine order when the place closes at nine and you're it, um, and it's going right. to feel like that sort of deserted diner. 
um, feeling. So, you know, are we going to do that again? Um, yes, we will. I mean, honestly, um, because I feel like it, we want to get we want to get out and we want to support, uh, you know, those local those local places. Um, but also with, you know, I have been I'm trying to think about places I've been, um, you know, grocery store and Lowe's and things like that. And we're looking at, you know, do you get nervous when you're around too many people? And the answer is yes. And that's going to continue, I think, for quite right. some time, you know. Well, I, I would say that uh, we have a similar perspective to you guys. I mean, you know, my wife and I, we, we have places that we are, are more confident than others that, uh, that they'll follow proper guidelines and so forth. Um, but my wife is high risk, for example. So I think this is a, such a personal decision for everybody. She's high risk. And so even if we say, well, you stay home and I go out, well, I can expose her. So it's it's just a really tricky time for everybody to navigate. What I hear on my blog and what I see um, in, on social media in response to my, my articles and so forth is just people are all over the map. I mean, there are people who say this was stupid from the beginning. We should have never shut down. It was all overblown. Um, they they put those folks focus on local numbers, which have been super good. I mean, relative to being in a pandemic. Um, we've had five people die in two months and, you know, that's, that's a really low number relative to the people who die from all kinds of things. Um, so some people say it was overblown and we should have never done it. And they're, they've been going out. They're not going to stop going out. I see them in groups downtown. Uh, certainly I read about, uh, reports of, you know, Home Depot and Lowe's and those kinds of places that are just packed. Uh, all the way to people who are just saying uh, the explosion's coming any second. We can't we can't get out from our houses at all. It's just uh, it's all over the map. That we're all going to be nervous for a while, even when we start going out, because obviously we can't do this forever. Uh, so there will come a time, uh, and I, I I wonder how long we remain nervous and and how much. And it probably the answer to this probably depends on how long this goes, um, because I don't I don't think most people think that we're finished with this. But how long this goes may determine whether we whether we feel comfortable for a long time or whether we change long term behaviors, not just short term. And that's going to be really interesting. to see. Well, what do you see as, you know, I mean, the birds are chirp. Like you said, it's been a um, it's been a juxtaposition of this beautiful spring. With, you know, everybody not you know, essentially being inside, and now that we're just kind of starting to to get out and and enjoy it, what um, what would a good message be um, from you to your audience? You know, for Knoxville, um, kind of coming back for those those businesses and those places that are being as creative as they can with their plans for uh, you know for return. That's really difficult because, uh, A, we don't know. I mean, if I know the people who work at a lot of restaurants, and you do too, downtown restaurants particularly. So I know who's, who's doing the right thing in the kitchen, even if I can't see the kitchen. And um, we don't know that in every restaurant. Um, so it's, it's hard uh, to make informed decisions and, and to get out there. I, I guess I would say that um, there are different ways to support different groups. Um, you can buy things online from a lot of places. Uh, so I would encourage people to do that from local places if at all possible. 
yeah, you, you can you can support them without actually being there. I've been buying gift cards, for example, um, for weeks now and giving them away on the blog. And so I've been buying gift cards from local businesses so that they're getting uh, some sort of stream of revenue from me um, and then giving it to people with the idea that maybe I'm double helping because I help the business, but also there are a lot of people who, who need things right now. So that's, a, I think, a way that you can support it. So some people will feel comfortable going out a lot sooner than others, but we can all do something uh, to support the efforts that are being made because this, we want this incredible city to come back. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think there's a lot of creative people out there that are they're just going to be jonesing to create and to be in front of, um, you know, in front of people. So um, I'm trying to think here. The, another question that I would have for you, Alan, before we kind of wrap things up is um, it has to do with perseverance. So you had a career. You pivoted dramatically to now to become a writer. And now you're pivoting again to become not just a writer, but like a trusted source of information. So for those of us out there in the creative community that are challenged right now with what do we do? You know, what what's next? Um, and how do we keep ourselves growing? What would you say to what would you say to somebody that asked that question? Like, hey, I want to stay. I want to keep on making things. Um, but I don't know. I don't know how. I don't know. Is this important anymore? You know, asking those big questions um, about how art and how writing and how creative endeavors matter in these big times. Well, first of all, as far as it mattering, I mean, that's what makes us who we are. It, it's not that we have buildings and parking lots and so forth. We, everybody has that. It's the people. It's the people and it's the people who are local and are making things happen locally. And I've seen a lot of that um, creativity just continue. We talk about pivoting. I mean, how many makers have started making masks? For example, and that's a way to contribute but keep making things, which is their, you know, their core impulse. Um, gosh, there's been so much creativity uh, locally on the uh, music front, with people writing and recording new songs, posting them on Facebook Live, and doing live performances on Facebook. Things that we never considered before. So I think people will continue doing their thing and finding their way. Um, I, I think. It would be really healthy, even if we were to maybe we're, you know, this was to be wildly optimistic and say, okay, this is done. We, we got through this. If that were even the case now at this moment, I think it's imperative for all of us to think about, okay, what did I learn from this? What can I do differently going forward? What would be a good way to be prepared for this if this happens again? An example for me with makers is, there are some makers who have phenomenal online presence, whether it's through Etsy or through their own webpage or through other sites that they aggregate uh, goods. And there are others that don't have any presence. And so suddenly they weren't able to sell. And that, that goes for uh, a lot of the shops downtown as well. There were some that had this incredible system already set up and they were ready to go and they they shifted to online sales pretty seamlessly, probably not at the same level, but it, it kept things going. And there are others that just 
there's no way to buy their product unless you just walk into the store, which hasn't worked. Mm -hmm. So I, I think people are getting really creative at what their, their, their original thing that they were making or their thing that they were doing, their, their art or their craft. But I think we're going to have to also become equally as creative at finding ways to find our people, our people who want to read what we write, who want to hear what we, we play, who want to buy what we make. Well, I think that's a good, that's a good place to, uh, to send, to send this episode off. Alan, thank you so much for joining us. Um, and Hey, for everybody out there listening, um, Alan, where can folks uh, find out more about you and about inside of Knoxville? All right. Uh, the main place that people can find me is insideofknoxville.com. Um, it's usually a daily or lately, twice daily, uh, article that comes out about something about downtown Knoxville or related in some kind of way. Of course, I'm on Facebook, uh, Inside of Knoxville um, Facebook page, as well as Twitter and Instagram. Awesome. And I would also encourage everybody to look up Project Be Kind. Let's see what we can do to help those that help us. Um, and then out there, uh, find your people. So what you said was really important here, Alan. You're talking about how folks are creative, but then those folks that are creative are also willing to go that extra step to share that creativity. If that's a shop, if it's a restaurant, if it's an artist, um, the making of the thing is only the first step. And you can't take for granted that someone is going to appreciate, is going to appreciate what you do in the way that you do. And so for the folks that had been putting their things, you know, online and developing that community, that, uh, the, that tribe, their people, they're in a position to succeed long term and they want to make things and they don't apologize for it. They're not shy about it and they're in it for the long haul. Their, yeah. their people are out there. They have to find their people, though, and they have to make it easy for their people to find them. You know, if you have to dig and push and prod to figure out how to support somebody, it makes the support be less likely. So absolutely, they have to reach out and find their people. Find your people and make it easy for them to support you. You guys, I appreciate you um, listening to this episode. I appreciate Alan Sims, the Knoxville urban guy. Hopefully, buddy, we get to see you back out in them black boots again uh, soon or, you know, when everything is is uh, is loosened. Um, you all, this has been Best Behavior Creative Club. As always, I'm honored to be in your ears wherever you are listening. If you do like what you heard, I would encourage you to share um, episodes. Leave us some reviews. Let us know what you're thinking. Look us up on social um, and share with your friends, your enemies, your neighbors. That guy in seventh grade named Joey that wore a leather jacket that threatened to beat you up after gym class. And then he did share it with that guy. It's totally fine. Anyway, y'all, this has been Best Behavior Creative Club. I'm Chris McAdoo. This is an original Design Sensory production. And I want to thank Design Sensory for letting us get the word out about all this great thing, all these great things going on in the artistic 865 community. Now, y'all, uh, why don't you go make something great? 